So you're ready to get in the word. Tonight, I'm going to talk about the power of first things first. And um, we can, if, if I had time, we'd go back and we could talk about things going all the way back to the anniversary service and, um, and things the Lord uh, has, has spoken to us since then. Um, but just to remind before I get into what I'm going to share with you tonight, um, starting in January, um, if you haven't already, you don't have our church center app, get on the church center app, or you can go to the website and you go to the events and you can register and sign up for first things first. Uh, and what that means is, um, you, every day you'll get a, you'll get a scripture reading. Um, we have a reading plan in the, in the lobby, uh, for you as well. That would take us throughout, uh, 2024. Uh, but also, uh, starting on January 2nd, um, the church will be open uh, from 6.33 to 7.33, and we pray. It's not, uh, it's not led prayer. It's just a time because this is about your personal qu- time with God. It's not like our Monday night corporate prayer where we have a leader and those types of things. But this is just an opportunity for us to open up the church at 6.33 to 7.33. We pray for an hour, and you're like, well, Pastor, hey, I'm, I've, I've got to be at work, whatever. I, just, I, I would encourage you for the 21 days, set aside an hour to seek the Lord in worship or prayer, get a journal, make notes what the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Um, Jeremiah says, when the, everything the Lord spoke to me, I wrote in a book. And so, so when we're in prayer, the thing is, is we should have something to write with because, if you're, because prayer is a, a dialogue, not a monologue. So the question is, if you're having a, you're having a meeting with the, with the creator of the universe and you're having a dialogue with the creator of the universe, don't you want to honor that relationship enough that you can write down something that the creator of the universe might say? Wouldn't that be good? <laughs> so first things first. Um, you know, we're going to end that 21 days... And also every morning you'll get a, you'll get a video from one of our uh, team or staff and or they're all staff at some of them are volunteer, uh, part of our service teams and, and those things. So <clears throat> you'll, you'll get a, a short video, about a minute and a half, just to encourage you each day as well. And, uh, but it's something uh, we started last year and I'm looking forward to it this year. And we're going to close it out by doing a First Things First conference with uh, Dr. Savell and myself. And um, expecting great things, and um, it's going to be great. And but I, I want to deposit some things in our heart, and we'll probably send this message out to um, you know the rest of the church just to uh, make them aware because there's some important things I'm going to share tonight um, that I believe are important as it pertains to first things first and fasting. Uh, also, during this 21 days, you know, encourage you to to fast. And uh, we'll get in that. I, I'm not, never one to dictate what someone's life of fasting looks like. Um, I believe that's between you and the Lord. Um, fasting to me is not a, a, something that, a law that I make. It's something that you determine between you and God on, and on what, you, what you believe that you're to do in this beginning of 2024. And, and I believe as I share some things, I believe the Holy Spirit will speak to you what's prevalent for you. Amen. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 22. 
Say first things first. Amen. Matthew 22, let's look at verse 37. Thank you, Father. Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first in great commandment. And the second is like to it, like unto it, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Let's look at verse 37 again. Jesus said to them, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first. Now, when I, when I think about this, and, and there's a lot of directions we could go with this, just with this one scripture uh, tonight, but it's important for us to understand the most important thing is our relationship with God. That's something that Pastor Rick and I would always say when Rick and we, we'd have conversations and says, always keep the main thing and the main thing is God. Always keep the main thing, the main thing, and the main thing is God. See, this is the main thing. Jesus is trying to not so much create a law for us not to be able to fulfill, but he wanted to establish in us a principle that would cause us to have a successful life. I believe that's what the Ten Commandments are all about. Some people say, oh, well, the Ten Commandments have passed away and all that. And to me, Ten Commandments were God's way of protecting the children of Israel to cause them to walk in the fullness of the blessing. That's, that was what they were. And, but, yet, but yet they tried to make it so much more than what God tried to make it. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart all your soul, all your might. Now, this word love here is, has, is three different definitions of this word love and what this word love represents. And it's, this is the picture it gives in the Greek. First thing, it is a f- affectionate reverence. So when it says to love God with all my heart, my soul, and my mind, number one, it's affectionate reverence. The second thing is it's quick obedience. So that's what in this word, love the Lord. See, love is not an emotion. (laughs) See, emotions can come and go. Love is who God is. So number one, this love God with all my heart, it's affectionate reverence. It's quick obedience. And the third uh, picture of this word, it is grateful recognition of benefits received. It's grateful recognition of benefits received. Have you received some some benefits? Are you grateful for those benefits? Amen. To love God with all my heart. All my heart. Thank you, Father. With all my heart. See, first things first is about bringing our life into right order. First things first is about bringing our lives into proper order. It's about bringing our lives 
under the source of all life. It's about bringing our lives into right order. Adam and Eve's life, life was in right order until they stopped keeping first things first. Abraham experienced great success as he was found, at, as he began his journey keeping first things first. He said, leave your father's house and go to a land that I will show you. And it said, and Abraham left. So when he kept the first things first, he saw how God made his name great and how God had prospered him. But when all of a sudden, when Abraham stopped keeping first things first and him and Sarah decided to lean to the arm of the flesh, what happened? They didn't see success. And we could go throughout scripture and talk about one scenario after another about successes and failures. And they had to do with keeping first things first. Go to second Chronicles chapter 26. Second Chronicles chapter 26. Laying a foundation for where we're going tonight. So, first things first is about putting things into proper order. Thank you, Father. It's about putting my heart in the proper order, it's about putting my heart in the right position. Because you can do all the right actions and still not do it from your heart. Jesus said that. Jesus said, said, you draw near to me with your mouth, but your heart is far from me. So you could show up here every morning at 633 and never touch heaven. You can read a chapter every day and still not connect your heart with heaven. You can put on the most amazing worship song and sing your heart out and still not touch heaven because you haven't got into a place. Your heart isn't in the proper order. It's not just our actions. It's not just going through the motions of something. It's not going through the religious rituals of it. But it's about having communion with God. First things first is about him and nothing else. Second Chronicles chapter 26, verse one says, now all the people of Judah took Uzziah, who was 16 years old and made him king instead of his father, Amaziah. 16. He, be, he built Eloth, and restored it to Judah after the king rested with his fathers. Uzziah was 16 years old when he became king and he reigned 52 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jeco- uh, uh, whatever that name is, Jechaliah of Jerusalem. Now get this. He, and he did. So he... He was 16 years old when he became king. 
he reigned for 52 years. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord. According to all that his father Amaziah had done. He sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him prosper. Wow. He sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. He sought God. He sought God. He put God first place. As long as he put God in his rightful place, he saw progress. 2024 will be a year of progress, progressing, advancing, experiencing promotion, and seeing our highest expectation fulfilled. As long as he sought the Lord, he was made to prosper. How many people know of the life of Uzziah? Do you know the life of Uzziah? You see, as long as he sought the Lord, he was made to prosper. This this man, he was an inventor, Vic. Mm -hmm. He created weapons for battle that had never been created before. He did things that no one else had ever done before in the nation of Jerusalem, in in the city of Jerusalem, in Israel. But yet, he became strong in himself. Yes. Amen. See, when he stopped putting first things first, he ended up getting leprosy. But you have to see, what I want you to see here is there's a, there's a connection that we have to see and we have to solidify in our hearts is that as, as I'm going into 2024, my pursuit has to be God. My pursuit has to be his word. Because as I look throughout scripture, advancement and progression and increase came to those whose hearts were pursuing after him. First things first. Say first things first. first. So putting first things first is about setting priorities that create a sense of purpose that will create momentum in your life. Let me say it again. Putting first things first is about setting priorities that give you a sense of purpose and create momentum in your life. See, you can have a vision and have an idea of where you want to go. But if you don't set priorities, you'll never get there. 
We may all say in declaring that this is a year of progress, advancement, experiencing promotion and seeing our highest expectation fulfilled. But if we don't set or change our priorities and put them in the right position, we'll continue to experience what we have the last five years. And the destiny and the dream and the vision that God has for our life never, never come out of a thought stage. Thank you, Father. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6. You are just listening so intently tonight. How many people would would agree that Jesus lived with a sense of purpose? I mean, he said things like this, even to his parents. Mama, didn't you know where I'd be? In my father's house, about my father's business? No, he wasn't disrespectful. Sorry. He was not disrespectful. Because the Bible, actually a couple verses later, it said that, that he learned. He learned. Grew in wisdom and favor and stature with God and man. He lived with a sense of purpose. He said, I must be about my father's business. He said in John 9, I must work. I must work the works of him that sent me while it is still day. I must. I must do this. So Jesus lived with this sense of purpose, but that sense of purpose had to come from that spending time in the word. Spending time at temple. Spending time in prayer. Jesus never taught something that he never modeled. Jesus always modeled what he taught. So if we see Jesus teaching it, it's something he modeled. It's not just something he thought would be a good suggestion for each one of us. If he taught it, you better, you better know he's, he did it. It's not just something he said, you know, hey, I'm the son of God. I'm the Messiah. I'm anointed. But you know what? I'm the anointed one, but if you're going to seek success, you all have to do that. No. If he said it, you have to know he modeled it. If Jesus said, ask and you will receive, seek and you'll find, knock and the door will be open for you, You have to know coming out of his mouth, it's not something that he thought was just a good idea and sounded good for on on a Christian card. No, he modeled it. He's saying, hey, take a little rabbit trail here. Is it okay to teach tonight? You know, you know, the teaching and you may understand this or may not agree with me or not. I just my research and study after some rabbis and things that I've, I've done. But you know, in Matthew chapter 11, when he says, 
he, he goes, all ye that are heavy laden, come unto me and I'll give you rest. He says, take my yoke upon me. Take, take my yoke upon you, right? He says, take my yoke. What's, what's that mean? You have to understand what a, you have to understand is Jesus was speaking as if he was a rabbi. And a yoke was his interpretation of Torah. So when Jesus was saying, take my, take my yoke upon you, what he was saying is, take, take the way that I see the Torah. Take the way that I, so when we see Jesus teaching, we're seeing him teaching his yoke. So when Jesus is saying things like seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things, that is his yoke. Take, take my yoke upon you. Now, let's, let's go there. Hold your place in, in uh, Matthew, go to Matthew 11. Look at verse 27. He says, all things have been delivered to me by my father and no one knows the son except the father, nor does anyone know the father except the son and the one whom the son wills to reveal him. Come to me, all your labor and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and what learn from me. What is the yoke? The yoke is his teaching. Why? He wants to learn of him. Learn from me. Why? For I'm gentle, I'm lowly heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For what? My yoke is easy. And my burden is light. Meaning what I'm going to give you to do to enter into the kingdom of God is not a hard thing. Because the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they're making it a hard thing. But I'm going to make it an easy thing. First things first. So Jesus is going to, everything he says is something he modeled. Let's go back to Matthew chapter six. <clears throat> Jesus's words were not suggestions. They were a priority in his life. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Let's go to verse 24. We're going to skip around in this chapter a little bit. Matthew six twenty four. No man can serve two masters. For either hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. So these are Jesus' teachings, right? So get a picture of that. If Jesus taught it, you have to understand he modeled it. So that means Jesus was aware of things that would distract us. You can't serve God and man. man. Jesus warns that these things can become our master and we their slaves. And if this happens, we'll not love and serve God the way we should or could. You can't serve two masters. You'll either love the one or hate the other. So that means I've got to make a choice. That means I've got to put the first thing first. If I don't put 
the first things first, then the other, I'm putting the other things first. You can't serve two masters. You'll either love the one or hate the other. You'll despise the one or you'll hold to the other. You can't serve two masters. And too often we think we're a good job at it. Too often we think we do a good job at it. Thank you, Father. Putting first things first. Verse 25. Therefore, 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 what's he mean? Therefore. What is it there for? You can't serve two masters. Therefore, I say to you, don't worry about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not your life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap or gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit unto his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you, it's Solomon, all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry. So, see, he talks about don't serve two masters, and then he immediately talks about not worrying about what you're going to wear and what you're going to eat. You see, if I'm serving mammon, I'll always live in fear. If, I, if, I'm, if, I'm, if I'm always serving mammon, then I'll never have enough. If mammon is my pursuit, I'll never have peace. That's really what Jesus is communicating here. He goes, if you're going to constantly pursue the worldly things, you're always going to have to battle fear. You can't serve two masters. So you're either going to seek these things. Let's keep reading. Thank you, Father. Verse 31. Therefore, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For after all these things, the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. Putting first things first. As we step into 2024, making a choice in our hearts to stop pursuing things, but pursuing him. Pursuing his kingdom, pursuing his word. I know this seems a little heavy tonight. Seeking first the kingdom of God. The focus and priority in our lives should be the kingdom of God and his righteousness, not chasing after the needs of our body. As we set first things first, I believe as we set first things first, I believe it's going to release a great breaking loose. 
I believe we're in a key time. I believe we're in a strategic time. I believe we're in a season of opportunity to see something take place, not only in our lives, but in the world around us. Let me say that again. I believe we're in a key time, a strategic time. We're in a season of opportunity to see something take place, not only in our lives, but in the world around us. I believe we're in a season where God is waiting for us to arise. I believe we're in a time and a place. I believe we're in a time. It's time for us to place ourselves in his hands and prepare for the days ahead. I believe it's time for us to step and arise into the positions he's called us to. But it believes by putting things in our heart in right order. Go to Joel chapter one. Putting first things first. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Seven fifty eight, praise the Lord. If you know the book of Joel, let me read the very start of it so you can get some perspective here. Joel chapter one says, The word of the Lord that came to Joel, the son of Phethiel, it says, Hear this, you elders, and give ear to all the inhabitants of the land. Has anything like this happened in your days or even in the days of your fathers? Tell your children about it. Tell your children about it and let your children tell their children and their children another generation. What the chewing locust left and the swarming locust eaten, what the swarming locust left and the crawling locust have eaten, and what the crawling locust left and the consuming locust has eaten, awake you drunkards and weep. And wail all you drinkers of wine because of the new wine, for it has been cut off from your mouth. For a nation has come up against my land, strong without number. His teeth are teeth like lion, a lion, and his, and his fangs are like a fierce lion. He has laid waste my vine and ruined my fig tree. He has stripped it from, stripped it bare and thrown it away. Its branches are made white. <laughs> wow, it sounds like a bad day. What, what was taking place is the children of Israel stopped putting first things first. And he goes, tell them to the next generation and have the generation of that generation tell the next generation about what the enemy did. But then you get to verse 16 and it says this. Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly, gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land into the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. Alas for the day, for the day of the Lord is at hand. It has come as destruction from the Almighty. It's not the food cut off before your eyes. Joy and gladness from the house of God. Thank you, Father. Let's go over to chapter 2, verse 12. Remember, he called a fast. 
Verse 12 says, now therefore, says the Lord, turn to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning. Rend your heart and not your garments and return to the Lord. What does he say? Rend your heart and not your garments. Meaning it's not about what you do on the outside, but it's about your heart. Meaning bring your heart back to this place. Children of Israel, bring your heart back to this place. So first things first. Now, this message tonight is not for me to bring condemnation towards any of us here for me thinking that you're living off in some sort of sin or anything like this. The point is, is understanding the importance of making a decision for us to sanctify our hearts. First things first. As your pastor, this is something that I have to do every day of my life. I have to constantly bring my heart because, because if I know I experience attacks within my heart and my life, I know you do. And so we have to make a conscious decision, Lord, I'm bringing my heart back to a position of priority. Turn your heart to me. Let's go to Joshua chapter three. Joshua chapter three. Thank you for the word. Joshua chapter three. Thank you, Father. Look at verse two. This is before they go into the promised land. So it was after three days that the officers went through the camp and they commanded the people saying, when you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites bearing it, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Remember the the ark of the covenant. It represents the word of God. It represents the power of God, the glory of God. So let the priest bear it. And he goes, then you shall set out from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it and 2,000 cubits by measure. Do not come near it that you may know the way by which you must go for you have not passed this way before. Meaning I'm about to take you to a place you haven't been before, but you have to make sure you keep God in the proper perspective and you keep him out in front of you because you're about to go someplace you haven't been before. And I believe in 2024, we're going to go to places we haven't been before, but we're going to have to bring our hearts back to a place where my eyes are on him. Then it says this, verse five says, and Joshua said to the people, sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Sanctify yourself today. Amplified, I believe, says, sanctify yourselves today because tomorrow the Lord's going to do signs and wonders among you. You see, it's what we do today and it's how we set ourselves apart for what God wants to do that determines what we see tomorrow. So calling a fast... Seeking first the kingdom of God is not something that God does for us. It's something that we do. Seeking first the kingdom of God is a decision we make, not a decision your pastor makes. 
is a decision saying, hey, I'm going to serve God more than I'm going to serve these things. Fasting is about sanctifying yourself. It's about setting yourself tomorrow, setting yourself apart for the things he wants to do tomorrow. When you fast, it's saying, God, I want you and your direction more than anything else in my life. I believe when we know the why of what it means to fast or sanctify our hearts, I believe we'll call, it will cause us to, to make it a part of our continual life. Let's go to Ma- back to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. Thank you, Father. Look at verse six. Uh, where Jesus is saying something, but it's also something he modeled. And in this chapter, the beginning part, we talked about verse 24 through the end. But what I want you to see here is he says, take heed. And he deals with three aspects of, our, of, of Christian life. And I believe these were three aspects of, a, of how Jesus sanctified his life. First, first off, he talked about, verse 1 says, Take heed that you do not do char- your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have your reward for your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do charitable deeds, your giving, do not sound a trumpet. He goes farther down. He goes... He goes uh, down to verse, uh, the end of four, it says that your charitable deeds may be in secret and your father who sees in secret will himself reward you in the open. Then he talks about praying when you pray. He talks about going to your innermost closet and when you pray in secret, the father who sees in secret will reward you in the open. And then he talks about when you fast. So he talks about when you give, when you pray, and when you fast. So there's something that happens here. He says that the father who sees in secret, he will reward you in the open. There's something that happens when you take time in private. There's something that will manifest in public. When you have a private relationship with God, he will manifest things in the public. You see, when we have a private relationship with God at home and we show up in church, we're going to see greater manifestations in public. But it takes a decision. It takes a decision in our heart saying, God, you're first place and I'm going to seek first your kingdom. So he said in verse 16, he says, moreover, when you fast. You know what? He didn't say if you fast. He says, when you fast, when, not if, when you fast, I don't, this is not going to be an exhaustive teaching on fasting. Maybe after the first of the year, I'll, I'll be able to finish some of this, but hallelujah. Thank you, father. Mm. Mm. Sanctifying our hearts. First things first is about putting your heart in the right position. 
It's about sanctifying your heart to see his kingdom manifest in the earth. Thank you, Father. Trying to see what Lord. Mm. I'm, I'm going to close out by dealing with four things that a sanctified fasting life produces. I'm going to just skip through just these four things. What I believe a life that is set apart, one that's seeking first the kingdom, what it produces. Number one, I believe that it unlocks a key to spiritual refreshing that brings fresh encounters. I believe it unlocks and is a key to spiritual refreshing that brings a fresh encounter. Number two, I believe fasting brings about a greater sensitivity to God's voice and God's direction. We see this with Jehoshaphat. He, God didn't tell Jehoshaphat to fast. Jehoshaphat called a fast. And it was when he called a fast to all the children of Israel that then God spoke and gave them direction and gave them wisdom on how to defeat the enemy. I believe there's some enemies that that will rise up as we step into 2024 and throughout 2024 that we need to be prepared on how to deal with the enemy that would try to bring destruction in our lives. But like Jehoshaphat, it was fasting and sanctifying and setting apart his heart to hear from God. And it brought God's voice and God's direction. Number three, the third thing, I believe this sanctified, seeking first kind of life in your heart, I believe it's an act of humility. And what this does, there are several things that this does. One, it causes you to see proper priorities clearly. When you fast, it causes you to see the priorities clearly. Things that you didn't know were priorities, all of a sudden now you see the priority. There's, there's four things under this. The second thing under humility is areas in your life where there was imbalance, there have now become balance. The third thing about the humility is selfish ambitions and pride will begin to fall to the side. Selfish ambitions and pride will begin to fall to the side. And the third thing that happens when you're fasting in this act of humility is hidden areas of weakness will surface so you can deal with it. Hidden areas of weakness will surface so you can deal with it. The fourth thing. I believe fasting puts us in, has the ability to put us in the best possible position for a breakthrough. A breakthrough in your emotions to be free from stress. A breakthrough gaining wisdom and insight and understanding. A breakthrough in your health. 
Breakthrough in overcoming addiction, addictions and personal habits. Breakthrough in, in entering into uh, concerning your relationships and finances. So I believe that when we seek God first and we put God in the proper position and we put first things first, I believe it puts us in a place to experience breakthrough. Let me close with this, Deuteronomy 6. You know, I started with, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Thank you, Father. Putting first things first. Thank you, Lord. Let's look at verse four. It says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. I was reading this today and and I just saw I saw this in a different different light because there's there's two different names of God, so to speak, here. He says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord, our God. Now, the word Lord, capital L, it's a little bit smaller, but it's still a capital letter, O-R-D. That means it's talking about Jehovah, our God. And God there is Elohim. So it's dealing with two definitions, two different words that could be for God. But then he says the Lord, but he says they're one. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Meaning the Lord is unified. Heaven is unified. There's power and agreement. There's He's saying the Lord God is one. They're one. There's no division in heaven. And then he, then he says this. Then he says you. It's interesting that he uses this command. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. In the same context of the Lord our God is one. You shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart. You see, when we submit, and this is what I saw in my spirit as I was praying over this, to, this tonight. When we love God with all our heart, we get involved with heaven. The Lord, our God, the Lord is one. I mean, they're, they're, heaven's unified. But when I choose to bring myself under and I choose to sanctify myself and I choose to seek first the kingdom of God, all of a sudden now I'm working with him. You see, so this life of fasting, this first things first, this reading scriptures every day, this life of worship, this life of prayer, this life of fasting, this life of giving, this is all about me getting unified with heaven. 
Love the Lord thy God with all my heart, all my might and all my strength. So it wasn't just, I believe, Jesus talking about some sort of command to see if we would follow it or not. No, I believe it was a command and I believe it was how Jesus lived his life to where the power of God flowed through his life and ministry. Remember, Jesus didn't teach something that he didn't model. So I believe Jesus was saying, hey, I'm getting unified with heaven. When I love God, when I love my father with all my heart, all my soul, all my strength, it puts me in step with him to cause me to operate in the supernatural. So now when I see love God with all my heart, it's not just, Henry, it's not just a command that, okay, well, I gotta gotta do that. I gotta check that box off. I've got to fast, so, you know, pastor wants us to fast. I gotta check that box off. I, I gotta pray today, I gotta check that box off. I got to I got to tithe. I got to check that box off. I need to come to church at 6:33 so I can check the box off. That's not the point. The point is getting unified with heaven. The point is getting unified with heaven so we can have heaven flow through us. So now when you see love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind and strength, I don't want you to see some sort of command that you have to feel fulfilled, but I want you to see yourself as now getting in step with heaven, getting in step with the power of God, getting in step just like Jesus was in step with heaven. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Father, we thank you for your word tonight. And Lord, I thank you, Lord, I, as, we, as we are stepping into 2024, I thank you, Lord, that we push aside every hindrance, we push aside every weight, because we heard from our founding pastor, we heard that, that we had to make sure that we stay in faith, to stay focused and not be distracted by the enemy. So Father, we, we push distractions to the side, and Lord, we look on with fixed purpose, and Lord, we, come, we make a decision. And, and between now and the end of, the, of 2023, Lord, we're making a decision to sanctify our hearts and to put first things first. Lord, because we want to operate and see heaven flow through us. So as we seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, it's not about some sort of job requirement. No, it's, it's me welcoming heaven into my situation and having flowing through my situation. Lord, I thank you that the best is yet to come. I thank you that 2024 is gonna be extraordinary. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that we're going to uh, see things that we've only dreamed of. We're gonna see things, Father. We're gonna see the greater works. We're gonna see marriages restored. We're gonna see families put back together. We're gonna see the addicts set free. We're gonna see the the blind eyes open. We're gonna see the deaf ears open, Lord. Hallelujah, because we're not satisfied with where we've been. We're not satisfied with mediocre. We're not satisfied with, with just a little bit here and a little bit there. No, we're stepping into the fullness of all that you have for us in 2024. Lord, we're hungry. We're hungry and we're, and we're hungry. We're more hungry now than we've ever been. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
Say, I'm hungry. I'm hungry for the things of God. Say, I'm hungry for the word of God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Mm. Mm. So will you put first things first with me? Will you put first things first with me and Pastor Annette? Hallelujah. You receive this tonight? Hallelujah. Mm. Thank you, Father. Mm. Stand to your feet. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Mm. Praise you, Father. Mm. Hallelujah. Mm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Mm. It is so sweet to trust in Jesus and take him at his word. Mm. Jesus. Hallelujah. Mm. Thank you, Father. We love you, Lord. Mm. I love you, Lord. 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 Mm. Just put your hand on your heart and just, just tell him you love him. Just repeat after me. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. One more time. I love you, Lord. Now listen. Now say this. Do you really love me, Lord? Now be quiet. Listen to what he says to you. Listen to what he says to you. Thank you, Father. You may have heard something like from the foundation of the world. You might have heard something directly to you or for you. For some of you, that maybe that was the first time you've ever heard the voice of God speaking to you. But oftentimes, we're not quiet enough to hear it. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for our time that we've got to be in your presence. I thank you that you will continue to cultivate this hunger in each one of us. I thank you for just your hand upon each one of us, Lord, as, as we finish and close out tonight, as we go home, I... I just thank you for just your peace that passes understanding. 
to be more than enough for them. Whatever they're walking through, whatever they're going through, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.